Hey, grab your Bibles and turn to uh, John chapter 9. Um, as you're turning there, I want to share something with you. And if you grabbed a bulletin, you see it in there. And it's this card that says 530 slash 531. Let me tell you what's going on. Uh, this morning, it was so exciting uh, because we had literally 1,400 more people in the morning service than a year ago last year. Uh, when you take um, into account children and what's happening, we're literally running 2,000 people over last year. So we're watching this church moving and growing and, and incredible things occurring. Uh, but some things we've done, we've done a lot of praying and, and a lot of uh, just kind of strategic planning. And, and one thing we decided to do, and this will affect a lot of you who are here, we've decided we want to take the uh, Sunday night service that you're in right now and make it exactly the same as Sunday morning. Uh, and I want to tell you why. I want to make sure you understand there's some really good reasons for it. Uh, but what, what we're feeling is this, is we pour an amazing amount of energy into making the morning services great. And, and we've just found we can't turn around and do the same thing in the evening. And so it's, 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 that's why we feel we're not as effective on Sunday nights as we want to be. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're actually going to make the Sunday morning and Sunday night the same. And so that'll tell people in the morning uh, that, number one, come Sunday night. And if you have to be away for the weekend, there's a Sunday night service to come to. You won't miss out. Uh, the second thing that it'll do is uh, parents who are coming in the morning are having to wait in huge lines to check their children in. And on Sunday night, we have an amazing program for the kids. But the bottom line, is there's not going to be as long a check-in line. Parking is easier, isn't it, on Sunday night? Sunday morning, it's horrible. So, you know, easier parking and all that. But the biggest reason we're doing it is we need to move some people out of the morning into the evening so we can make room for more people to come in the morning. But it's shocking me that two years in, we're already running out of seats in here. And that's a good thing, but we've got to clear out. So uh, what we're doing is we're going to make that switch. And I know that'll affect some of you who come to both. And we appreciate your level of commitment. I really do. But I think in the end, it'll make things better for us as a church community. The other thing you're noticing is we're going to change the time of our 6 uh, uh, p.m. service to 5.30 p.m. Uh, and the reason is, is we believe we can attract more parents if we do that and more people who commute which is about everybody in Corona. And uh, if we uh, uh, start at 5.30, we guarantee everybody will be out before 7 o'clock. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do. We think making it a 5.30 service on May 31st will make it incredible. Uh, the other thing I want to let give you a heads up on, though, is we're also going to offer a little bit higher level of food service on Sunday nights. So we're going to, on, on May uh, 31st, the DePauls are going to have a big barbecue grill set up out there. If you come at 5, you can eat dinner. You can come in here and work worship. We'll get you out in time to watch Desperate Out. No, not really. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll get you out of here on time. And, and you know what is you'll have the evening still. And it'll just, I think, be an amazing time of fellowship. More people we can have eating together and sharing together. It's just going to be incredible. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. Now, it's kind of interesting a, a little bit that last week, I had a sermon plan I really wanted to share, and I want to do it before we kick off our new way of doing things, because you're going to catch tonight is a little bit longer. I hope you're not going to think it's not worth it. I think it is worth it, uh, but it's a little bit longer message. It wouldn't fit in a Sunday morning because of length, uh, but, but I think what we're about to look at, I really think is powerful. You, you just decide when we're done, but it's interesting because last week I wanted to share it, and if you were here you saw that we had amazing technical difficulties. From a, a tech team that's phenomenal, it just messed up. But yet we saw a lot of people give their lives to Christ, so we're not going to get bummed about that, right? Um, the other thing, though, is guess what the message is on? The message is about 
where do you see God when everything messes up? <laughs> That's what the message is on. And so last week we got to practice it. This week we get to learn about it. And uh, uh, so that's where we're headed tonight. And, and so here's the thing. When all of a sudden, maybe it's a, a horrible thing hits you. Or all your plans go awry. Or everything you thought would happen didn't happen. Where's God in those kind of moments? Let's pray and we'll talk about that. Father, I pray and ask that you would really, truly visit us in a very special way tonight. God, I thank you for every man and woman who's here, every guy and girl who's here, who took the time and gave the energy to come and be a part of this. And Lord, I ask that your spirit would come and move now and make this time incredibly, incredibly meaningful. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, as far as we got started, I'll go ahead and start again. There's a TV show that was on years ago called Gideon's Crossing. I loved the show. I thought it was one of the better shows on TV. Pam and I were huge fans, and uh, it got canceled. And uh, so the bottom line is, is, is we thought this was an amazing show. Probably the competition it faced, you know, was what finally put it under. But it's a medical show. And the show stars a man who's portrayed as Dr. Gideon. And it's a teaching hospital and a research hospital. And what kind of set, set the show apart is this was this very caring, caring doctor pouring into the other doctors and, and literally devoting his life to make everybody's life better. And so what's happened <coughs> in this particular show is he has been literally slaving and working away for 10 years trying to come up with a treatment that would actually eradicate cancer. And he thinks he has it. His research partner thinks they've got it. And they've done all of the testing. They've done all the animal tests. And now they're, they've appealed to the FDA and applied to do the FDA testing on humans. And so they've been told they're allowed to do it on a certain number of people under certain kinds of circumstances. And so they're so excited because they actually believe with all their heart they've come up with a cure for cancer. And so what you're about to see is Dr. Gideon sitting with a man who has a form of cancer that is very, very invasive. And if this uh, was drug treatment wasn't available, it would take his life. And, and so I want you to kind of, the first section we're going to look at, it's about 13 minutes long. But I want you to catch what happens between this doctor who genuinely cares about his patient and, and wants to, to put him into the trials, wants him to be a part of this. And, and just wants to see him live. Because if he doesn't get this particular treatment, he's, he's going to die. The line I want you to grab hold of is this one. The God that I believe in doesn't leave that up to me. Um, God does have a plan. God does have a will. But we need to understand something is that he doesn't play by our rules. God doesn't act when we want him to act just so we'll believe in him and just so we'll worship him and just so we'll love him. He's not a God like that. He's God. And he wants us to understand that he's in control. We may not always understand. We may not understand the moment. We may not get what's going on. But the bottom line is, is this is who God is. And he doesn't apologize for himself. He doesn't uh, ask anybody whether they like who he is or what he does. The God we believe in, the God of the Bible, doesn't leave things up to us. He doesn't want us to, to necessarily think that when we believe in him, we do him a favor. Uh, he doesn't want us to think that when we finally turn and love him, that it's all of a sudden like, like wow, that, that's so exceptional. Uh, the bottom line is, is that 
We don't have an option when it comes to him. He doesn't put his will up for a vote. He doesn't put who he is up for a vote. How he acts is not up for a vote. And uh, we were left to ask the question, are we going to trust him? You know, see, that, that's the key question. Are we going to trust him when it, things just don't make sense to us? Uh, there's a passage. I'm going to hit you with two passages that if you haven't ever read before, you might step back and go, whoa, I... I is that God? And the answer is in a minute, yes, it is. John chapter 9. Uh, Jesus is going with the apostles. And it says in John 9 verse 1, that as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither this man who sinned nor his parents. Now don't miss this line. But it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, did you catch what Jesus said? He said, we wanted, I, I wanted him to be born blind. It's so that great things could occur based on him being blind. And now sometimes we act like, well, wait a minute. No, no, no. God wants everybody healthy and normal, which, by the way, we're not going to get into this tonight. But what really is normal? You know, why, why have we determined what certain people's lives have value and others don't based on them looking or acting or having certain things? God says, that's not how I operate. You see, this man was born blind, but don't miss this. He mattered. He was a part of God's plan. He is a part of God's plan, even now as we read about him. But God had a plan for who he was, what he would experience, what he would do, how he would impact people. We look at someone born blind and we might say, what a tragedy. God looks at someone born blind and says, that's my child. And, and one of the things we have to understand is we may ask why, but God has never, ever promised an answer. He doesn't jump at our whim. He doesn't move at our whim. He, he wants us to understand in the end that trusting him is what we need to do. Why people are blind. Why this man was rejected in the lottery. Why other people get the miracle drug and this guy didn't. God says, I'm not going to always tell you, at least in the moment. The, the praise I have is I have been around the Lord long enough since 1974 that I found that overall he does give answers it might take a year or two or three or four years later. It might take 10 years later. But, but the things that very often I've questioned God about, I've looked back and seen, wow, now I've already begun to see God. I may not even know everything, but it, it, the answer's been there. But you know what God has taught me, and I hope he's taught you, is you've got to trust him in the moment. When you don't understand, when it doesn't make sense. By the way, when you don't like it, you've got to trust him in the moment. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4, and I want you to see another passage that very often we look at and we go, wait a minute, is, is this what God is saying? And by the way, it's so plain, so clear, we can't miss it. Exodus chapter 4. Look at what it says in Exodus 4 verse 11. It says, the Lord said to him, and the hymn is Moses, God is speaking with Moses. He said, who has made man's mouth, or who makes him mute? or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Jesus, standing with the apostles, said, do you see this man who's blind? God, God did that. It wasn't sin. It isn't horrible. God says, I'm going to do a great work in him. And then he says, who is the one who has a child born, and he's mute, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? 
God says, I do that. And sometimes we say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And, And we might ask the question that was asked in this video clip, is that the kind of God you can believe in? And I hope the answer you give is the one that was given back. He doesn't leave it up to me. He doesn't leave it up to me. We, we've got to understand that God's ways are higher than ours. God's ways are greater than ours. And in the moment, we may not gather it or grab it, but, but God has a plan that is beyond us. In Isaiah 55, a passage you know almost by heart, many of you, the God calls out and says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God and he will abundantly pardon And God says, but don't miss this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God says, I want you to know something. There isn't one of you out there who can think at the level I can think, who can see things at the level that I can see them, who can do things in the way that I can do them. And you need to understand my ways are higher, and by the way, better. My ways are higher and kinder, higher and more loving. And you may not always understand, but I'm not going to leave it up to you. God has not once in scripture ever said, well, I'm sorry if you don't get it. He doesn't act that way. He calls for us to seek him while he may be found. And uh, we may miss it. A a a little child who's born and later on, because of some things that are going to occur, becomes deaf. Many people would go, oh, what a tragedy. But the one I'm mentioning right now was a man named Beethoven, who even deaf wrote some of the greatest music that's ever been written. So what do we say when Beethoven deaf writes incredible music? Don't we say, whoa, I don't know about a tragedy. That's heroic. So a parent not too long ago had a little child born without a hand. And many of us go, oh, what a tragedy. But he went on to be one of the more popular pitchers in professional baseball, Jim Abbott. And I don't know about you, any of you got to watch Jim Abbott play and pitch in professional baseball with one hand and still fielding the ball. We go, what heroic. And we stand back and and it causes us to get excited and to jump and to cheer because we see someone who overcomes. And, And you know what I'm trying to get at is this, is God sees the good side of something that's so incredible and so amazing we can't always see it. And then he calls for us to just trust him in it. Turn over to 1 John chapter 1. He says, just trust me in it. I want you to see things the way I see them. I want you to know that while you may not always understand, in the end, I would never do anything that would be mean or cruel. He says, you just got to trust me in that. You've just got to get that and understand it. Notice what it says in 1 John 1 verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus. What is the message in this? That, and announce to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He says, you know what, I, you just, even though you may not understand in the moment why you didn't win a lottery and get the miracle drug, why this child was born without an arm, why, why this, this person was born and would go, he says, you may not understand it in the moment, but trust me. He's saying to the apostles, you're looking at a man who's blind and you're saying there's some sin committed here, don't be so sure. You may not understand how much I care and how much I love, and you've got to understand that you can trust me in it. You know, all of us who are parents, 
All of us who are parents, do you remember times you had to do things to your children for their own good and they didn't understand in the moment, but it hurt? I, I mean, did any of you ever experience that? Where all of a sudden, like, I remember our son Timmy, he had this soaring high fever, and so we called the hospital, and they said, well, before you bring him in, just dip him in ice water. Now, you know, we took this little boy, and he's crying, no, 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 and I'm plunging him in ice water. Was I doing it because I loved him, or was I trying to enact the pain of him? He didn't get it. He kept thinking, Dad, you're so cruel. And I kept thinking, Pam, why aren't you doing this instead of... <laughs> you know what? It saved his life. A loving parent sometimes have to do things like that. And, and the child may not understand it in the moment. And then later on, they grow up, and they've got to do it to their kids. And, and you know what? God says, you just need to know there's no darkness in me. There's nothing I would ever do to harm you. You may not understand everything that's happening in this moment. You may not get it completely. But you've got to know that I care about you. And my ways are higher than yours. And my thoughts are higher than yours. And so if you haven't caught where we're going with this, the, the answer we give is, God, you don't leave it up to us. But I know your character. And I know your nature. And I can trust you. I can trust you. And by the way, just because we refuse to, to, to trust him or we refuse to say, well, you know what? If God's going to act like that, I'm just not going to believe in him. If the Bible says God has done these things, I just have decided not to believe in it. Well, you know what? That doesn't mean he's not there. And, and if the reason we don't believe in him is because we don't like how he acts, that, that doesn't mean that we are intellectual. It doesn't make us right. By the way, let me ask you this. When a, when a girl just turns to a guy and says, you know what, I don't want to date you anymore. I'm breaking up. He says, well, I'm not going to accept that. I'm gonna, we're going to keep dating anyway. And he keeps going to her house. He keeps calling her. He starts sending flowers. What do we call a guy like that? We call him a psycho. Right? You don't go, oh, that, what, that amazing mind there. He just refuses to accept it and acts on his own view of reality. Now, you see, the guy's insane. And you know what? When someone just says, well, because I don't like how God acts, I'm going to refuse to accept it. And that, is that really an intellectual reason to, to refuse? And, and when we look at the evidence for who God is, we look at the evidence for Scripture, we look at that, we, we hopefully come to a point where we say, you know what? It's not so much whether I'm going to always agree or not. It's that I can know that I can trust him. And there's a God who is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And in the moment, I may not understand what's going on. In the moment, I might not get it. Why was this person born and later become death? Why was this child born and not have a hand? Why does this man get cancer and die? A horrible lingering death. And another man die very, very quickly. And you look and you say, God, I don't get it. And God says, no, you don't. You don't. But, but one day, one day you'll stand with me and it'll all become apparent. Maybe even before that, I'll share it with you. But uh, when I watched this TV show the first time and I heard that line, the God I believe in doesn't leave it up to me. Well, you know what? Hopefully we have. Now, now here's the point we want to go to now. But when we're in those moments, our faith gets tested. Now, I want to ask you a question before we watch the next video clip. What happens to me what happens to you when your faith gets tested? What happens when it's not easy? What happens when it doesn't make sense? What happens when all you're left with is hanging on to the truths that are here in a God who, who you say loves you, but it, you just can't get it? 
When your faith's tested, what do you do? Well, the mother in this particular story is, is a Christian. And when she gets the word her, husband, her son's going to die within three months, her faith is tested. I want you to see how she acts. You know, and the whole idea there is you see this woman who says, wow, somehow this was God's plan. Not angry, not upset, uh, still willing to cling to the Lord, saying my faith is being tested in its heart, but I'm just not going to stop. Uh, we talked for a long time last fall about Jeremiah 29, 11, where we read the verse that says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And, and we also talked a lot about Romans eight twenty eight, where it says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And, and here's the thing, how many times in our lives have we been forced to cling to those promises and say, I know they're true, I know they're true, but it's so hard right now, Lord, because my faith is being tested. And when my faith is tested, let, let, I don't know if this helps you, but it helps me. That's what's being tested. It's not whether there's a God. It's not whether he can act. It's not whether he has the power. It's the question, what am I going to do now that I'm putting a place of testing? Am I going to hang on? Am I not going to give up? Am I going to cling to him no matter what? We know that in the end, somehow, some way, God's will is done, and that gives us hope. See, that's, that's what's going to make us different. It's not that God has promised, I'm not going to go through tough times or you're not going to go through tough times. That was never a part of the deal. It's not that we're not going to get hit with some of the same tragedies and sicknesses that other families do. That's not a part of the deal. It's not that sometimes the evil isn't going to act against us. And all of a sudden you turn and say, God, if you're there, why did you let this happen? And, and, and it's not that that's not part of the deal. The thing God says is, I don't cause all things, but I will cause all things to work together for good. If you love me and you live your life called according to my purpose. He says, that's what I'm going to do. I don't promise to always make life easy. I don't promise to make sure that nothing happens as difficult. He says, I promise I'm there for you in the midst of it. And that's what this woman's saying. She goes, it must be God's plan. It must have been God's finger that pushed that paper away. Because he could have drew it in. So why? And what am I going to do? And, and did you catch the faith of a mom who said, but I'm going to just have to, to make it. Uh, have you ever watched a magician? I, I love magicians. I really do. And one of the things you see magicians do very often in their tricks is, is they might ask someone to give them a, a, a $20 bill and then they rip it to shreds and, you're, and, and in your mind and in your moment, in your reality, you're sure they're ripping it apart and then they step back and pow, the $20 is there and you go, oh, that is incredible and you clap and cheer. But it wouldn't be a very good trick if he doesn't rip up the money, right? I mean, if he said, oh, here's a $20 bill, oh, hey, it's still here. You'd go, okay. <laughs> Do you know what's interesting is sometimes what looks like very destructive moments, what looks like some of the worst things possible, when, when you and I do something that's almost grieving in our own hearts because it's sin, and you step back and go, okay, how can you turn this to good? And it's not a magician, it's a, it's a father who loves you that says, I can take that and I can cause that to be one of the most beneficial, amazing things that have ever happened in your life. And what happens is when we stand at awe, a magic trick doesn't even compare when we step back and stand in awe of God. And you go, wow, 
what I've seen you do, what I've seen you accomplish, what I've seen you work, is so incredible, Lord. And, and I have watched that. I think you, many of you, we've watched it happen. And, and what in the, looked like a tragedy in the moment, so many great blessings came from. And, and we probably don't even see them all. Uh, Romans chapter 5 says, and not only that, but we, we glory in tribulation. He says in chapter 5, verse 3, a believer, a, a true follower of God does something amazingly odd to anybody who doesn't understand God. We actually glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It says that's who we are. And so we have this amazing uh, uh, attitude in the midst of trials and tribulations to choose joy and say, God, somehow the great things are going to come from it. Their early church Peter stands up and preaches the message about Jesus and 3,000 people come and they're baptized into Christ and, and it, life couldn't be better. And they're sharing everything in common and no one's in need of anything. And they're gathering together and they're feeding each other from house to house and, and they're gathering in the temple and the, the apostles are doing miracles in front of them and the blind are healed and the lame are healed and, and Peter walking along, his very shadow would heal people. And, and everyone's cheering and they can't wait to go the next and see what God's going to do. And they're thinking life couldn't be better. And then all of a sudden, the authorities turn on them and they start arresting Christians and torturing and killing and stoning. And, and I'm sure everybody in the church said, what is this? I mean, I can't believe God, God where? And, and now they're scattering and running for their lives and they're thinking, what a tragedy. And God's going, no, this is called world evangelism. Because if the church had been left to stay together, that's all they would have been. But when the persecution hit, they fanned out and began to literally take the whole Roman Empire for Christ. You see, here's my point is that you might say, well, does God do that? And the answer is, yeah, God does that at times. Maybe he's letting it happen but turning it for good. Maybe he's causing it to happen sometimes. But the bottom line is God says, I do these things. And, and in the end, in the end, if you trust me, I will cause something incredible to occur. But you're going to have to trust me. And so here's the thing. God doesn't leave it up to us. That's who he is. Uh, and, and I hope that you live your life saying, God, whatever your will is, that's what I'll do. You know, when I was at, Pam and I were at Christ Church of the Valley, if you would ask us what our dream was, our dream was to stay there the rest of our life, and, and that was what we're going to do. But we had always this, this caveat in mind that said, no, Lord, whatever your will is, I'll, and, and it was God's will to bring me here. You, some of you might not like it. Maybe I'm your trial. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what? We today would never, ever want to go back. Not because we don't love CCV, but man, what we're experiencing here, I wouldn't want to miss this. I wouldn't want to miss being with you through this. And uh, I look now and say, wow, God, you, you do amazing things. And, and, and I went through the hardest year of my life, and I've never been better. I needed to be knocked to my knees a little bit. I needed to be uncomfortable. Now I'm going to try as hard as I can not to get too comfortable again, because I, I just say, okay, God, I've got the lesson down. But you know what? God does those things. And uh, it, it's amazing. A very, very godly man that I only met a few times, but man, I met his kids, and they raved about him. 
He raised two daughters and a son who loved God with everything they had. He was a strong member of his church. He gave continually to people and loved and cared and led. And he and his wife had a fabulous marriage. And about three months before uh, he was going to retire, he gathered the family together and told them, you guys, I I need to tell you what I'm about to do. Um, And he looked at his wife. He said, you don't know this. But uh, after I retire in three months, you and I are going on a cruise. And she goes, oh, I want to go on a cruise. And he says, no, you don't understand. We're going to go on like a world cruise. And she's, what? He said, I've been saving and saving. And, you know, we've always, we got the kids through college. They're married now. And, and I want to share this with you. She's crying. I can't believe it. The kids are going, dad, oh, you and mom deserve it. And they're cheering and excited and counting down the days to his retirement, a chance for them to go do something for themselves, maybe for the first time in their lives. About a month before his retirement, he woke up with a throbbing, throbbing headache. And he went to the doctor and they said, you, you've got a brain tumor. And it's, it's huge. And it's growing. It's It's aggressive. You're not going to make it. He never got to actually go through his retirement. By the time that day came, he was laying in a hospital bed in so much pain he could hardly stand it. And they were watching him literally deteriorate before their eyes in a very horrible situation. And uh, it was one of my best friends, father-in-law. And it was horrible. And I remember getting a call one night, and he's crying on the phone, saying, man, we just don't understand how God could let this, at least if God would just take him. God doesn't leave it up to us, does he? And, and his ways are higher than ours, and we don't always know why. How could any good come from this? Well, in this one, I know. But, but we wonder. We wonder all the time. So what happened is, this man, this very, very godly man, is laying in a hospital bed, and The nurses fall in love with him. In the pain he's in and the agony he's in, they said he is the kindest, nicest man. He gives advice about our marriage. He he, he talks to us about the Lord. He, he, He somehow, no matter how much pain he's in, he makes jokes and cheers. He goes, we love this man. And uh, on the night he died, one of the nurses asked my friend, said, can I talk with you? And uh, he said, yeah, and she said, I know this may not be the time, but the thing he always told us about is Jesus, and I really believe after being around him, there really is a Jesus. And what do I do? And so he took her into the waiting room, and he sat with this nurse, and he led her to Christ. At his father-in-law's funeral, seven nurses were there. All seven had become Christians because of him. And his wife... And his children who loved him said, what an amazing legacy. This is our dad. This is who he is. Now, now the, still the pain was there. The ache was there. But the, the miracle was there. God, God does those things. And sometimes if we just give it time and just cling to him and trust him and let our faith be tested and grow, we learn something. Well, you know, it's interesting. He was chosen to live when he thought he was chosen to die. What he thought was his most tragic moment turned into the most amazing moment. But then it leads to the big question, what about the other people? And uh, the one thing I think I liked when I saw these, the show and saw these clips is we don't get all the answers. That's the whole point. We're never going to get all the answers. God does things the way he wants to. I don't know if you like the line. I love the line that says God has a sense of humor. I think he does. 
There's a woman who lives up in Santa Clara, California, who thinks God has an amazing sense of humor. She's a librarian. She uh, uh, is a married wife. She had a daughter late in life that she loved and had plans to be there for. She loved her job as a librarian. And the other thing she did as a hobby was knitting, and she taught knitting. And one night she got off work late and rushed home and gave her 11-year-old daughter a quick meal. She said, I'll be home soon from the knitting club. Hopped in her car, drove over to the knitting club. She was late. She grabbed all her, her bags. She's rushing up the porch to try to get up. Trips and falls. And she's laying there in, in a little bit of pain, thinking, oh, man, I'm so clumsy and kind of laughing at herself. Gets up and realized she scraped her knee. She made enough noise that as she opened the door, people yelled, are you okay? And she said, you know me, I'm clumsy. And they said, are you all right? She goes, I scraped my knee, but I fell out there. And she walks over and sits on the couch ready to start leading the knitting group. And they all looked at her and they said, are you okay? And she goes, you know, I kind of hurt a little bit in my chest. Um, and she lifted up her shirt. A knitting needle had gone into her her shirt. It had kind of buckled around so they couldn't see it. It literally went all the way into her heart. She's sitting there with a knitting needle in her heart. And they said, are you okay? And she goes, I kind of feel okay. <laughs> they said, well, should we take it out? She said, no, I don't think that'd be the right thing to do. They said, well, should we drive? He goes, no, why don't you call the paramedics? So she sat there making jokes and laughing with a knitting needle in her heart. And, and the paramedic, by the way, this is true. This is really true. Paramedics come. They realize what's going on. They gently lift her, not wanting to jostle the needer, get her to the hospital, take an x-ray, and, and they see the knitting needle has pierced her heart. It really has. And, and they end up doing an operation, and she ends up being okay. And uh, she has their x-ray kind of blown up. She thought it's such a funny kind of story. I lived through this. And she joked about it and thought, oh, my goodness. Well, she went back to a follow-up, and the doctor said, um, you know, when you're, you're when they're hospital with us, we were doing some x-rays and doing an MRI to see the needle, and we saw something else. We need to do a test. And so they did a test, and they found a form of cancer that if it had not been spotted when it was minuscule, would have killed her. And because of the knitting needle in her heart, they caught it in such an early stage, they were able to save her. She said when that needle was in her heart, she kept praying, God, the one thing I care about is being here for my daughter. Had that knitting needle not gotten her heart, she would never have been there for her daughter. And by the way, I think that lady would tell you, God's got a sense of humor in how he saves people. You know, the point I want to make is, I've had times in my life where I literally laid in bed and cried my eyes out. I've had time where I looked at Pam and said, I just don't get it. But I'll tell you what, I have experienced God in those kinds of times. I've experienced his presence in amazing ways. I uh, don't pretend to be perfect, man. I get angry at times and weak at times. And, and, and sometimes I just have to literally sometimes scream to him why. But the one thing I've learned is if I trust him and hang on to him, it works. He is bigger. He is incredible. Here's something else I believe, and, and if you don't agree with this, that's okay. But I believe the biggest majority of people who do not believe in God is not because God isn't big enough for them, it's because he's too big for them. He's too great for them. He's too amazing for them. He's too awesome for them. It's not that God is, is too big or too small that he's being rejected. It's he's too big. He's too huge. He does things his way. But if we cling to him, even when our faith is tested on the other side, 
very often the answer comes. And if it doesn't come in this life, it will in the next. Tonight, I, I hope that you kind of walk out of here praising God for how big he is and how incredible he is. I hope you walk out of here praising God for as big as he is, he loves you. And he does love you. And he makes plans for your life. And he cares about you. And he causes all things to work together for good. But, but here's the thing I don't want anybody to walk out. If you're not in an intimate relationship with God who is so vast that he's bigger than the universe, but so amazingly powerful he lives within your heart. Uh, uh, who is so incredible that he has things happen that you and I can't understand, but always works together for good in your life. If you don't have a relationship with him, then my great desire is that you would say yes to him. How do you enter the relationship if you don't know? It's amazing. This huge God doesn't make you do the feats of Hercules. You know what he says to do? If you want a relationship with me, just tell me. Just, just say yes. Tonight, if you've never entered into a relationship with the Lord, all you need to do is pray. And what we're about to do is lead a time of prayer. And if you would whisper a prayer with me, I want to tell you that simple prayer will cause the most amazing eternal consequence to occur in your life. You will enter a relationship with a God who's eternal, who's huge, who knows no bounds, who, who's never sinned, who's done nothing but cared about you and loved you, and who has no end or beginning. You'll enter a relationship with him with this simple prayer. It's not all that simple in reality. It's based on the fact that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins and reaches out in love for us. So if you would pray and say, yes, I want to be yours and I want to live my life with you and for you, then God's going to grab you and take you because of what Jesus did. Tonight, if you're, you're far from the Lord, for some reason at one time you knew him and you're not living in a close intimate relationship, God loves you and wants you back. You need to pray that prayer too. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I thank you that, at least for me, I get amazed at who you are. And you don't leave things up to me. It's not my decisions. You don't want my vote. But God, I do know that there is one thing you want from me and you want from everybody here. You want us just to trust you and to love you. And I hope and pray that this room right now, every single one of us, that, that, that's who we are. But God, if there's a man here or a woman here, a guy or a girl here who need you, tonight I pray your Holy Spirit would touch them and I pray they would understand that you are so vast and huge and amazing and yet you love them. And they would be willing to whisper that simple prayer and enter into an amazing relationship with you. I pray some would do that tonight for the first time. Some would do it, Lord, as a recommitment. But God, I pray if there's someone here who needs you tonight, I pray you'd stir in their heart. And I pray this would be their moment in time. I want to ask that we keep praying. And right now I'm going to lead that prayer for anybody that wants to commit or recommit your life to Christ. But before I lead it, I want to ask this. If you're going to pray it with me, right where you're sitting, would you let me know you're going to do it by lifting your hand in the air and looking at me? Praise God. That is so awesome. Praise God for you and for you. Praise the Lord. Wow, for each one of you. Let me take a second more. I want to, it helps me to know who God's touching. Anyone else tonight I haven't seen yet? If God's calling you and you're going to pray this prayer with us, just lift your hand. Okay, each of you who've lifted your hands, let's just whisper this word, the words together. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross so that you would be able to forgive me of my sins. Heal me of my hurts. Make me alive and make me new and make me yours. 
and I say, yes, I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you created me to be and help me live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God for those of you who prayed that prayer tonight.